I would say this, when it comes to like accountability and it comes to you know results and outcomes that are disappointing, um, A, we're not ever looking to assign blame. Uh, when something goes wrong, um, accountability lies at the top. It lies with me, responsibility. But we all, we're not looking to say that, you know, John Schneider made a mistake or Ross made a mistake or who made the mistake. We made a mistake. Clearly, um, we hit but didn't score runs. We need to do a better job scoring runs. We need to be better on the base pass. And there needs to be um, a higher level of transparency and communication. Fan Morning Show, Sports Town 59 Fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. That was Mark Shapiro, Blue Jays president, yesterday doing the thing that Ross Atkins was incapable of doing on Saturday. Yeah. And it's on me. Kind of doing the Kyle Dubas thing. Like, say what you will about Kyle Dubas, but Kyle Dubas not shy about saying, my fault. I, it's all me. Like, I know the players play the game. Forget hmm. about them. I told them not to, to perform during the postseason. That's on me. I should tell them to play in the postseason. Yeah, I'm sure this is my own perceptions mixed into it. I, I don't know. If... It didn't feel authentic because I knew he was lying, but I don't know. Shapiro, and it's through no fault of what he says. It's just there is a, like, arm's distance. Like, I don't want to say unhuman. It's not like he's not human. It's just it's robotic. It's all the stuff. It's a better version of it than we get with Ross. But Mm. if it was anybody else other than, I guess, Ross and Jerry Depoto speaking, I don't know that we'd be looking at yesterday with the glowing lens that that maybe you Maybe Galaxy Brain. Like, that's why he gets to (laughs) stick around is that Mark Shapiro looks pretty good. Is that why I'm here? (laughs) (laughs) No comment. No. No, it's... um, yeah, it, the point is well taken that he is uh, very corporate speaking, like that's right? A, honestly, I think that's the thing. It's just you would kill for him to talk not, like a person, not in a boardroom. Like mm-hmm. he would talk to someone. I'm not even asking him for him to talk like he'd talk at a bar, mm-hmm. but like in a train station, like just a normal <laughs> oh, conversation. Mean, like, hate that he's involved in a conversation because that's like yeah, every yeah, conversation what, oh, I end up in okay. a that, train station. That example, you know what I mean? A living room, a kitchen, <laughs> something like that. I just, it is the, not the bathroom. No, definitely not there. Okay. But it's just, it is that. And again, if it's anybody other than, than Mark, he's coming off the, the, or Ross, that he's coming off the back of, it does sound very corporate, but because, because yeah. it's slightly better, we're supposed to give him credit. I wish there were more questions along the line of what, what is your role in baseball operations? Cause he did indicate like a couple of times he did couch it with like, I'm not around this team day to day talking but about the picture. baseball operations. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's a, a question more uh, suited for Ross to answer. I don't want to speak for him. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. That it, there is, there was a, he, he said ultimately the buck stops with him, but, yeah, also that he's not making the larger decisions for this team. He's not specifically involved in the roster management no, of this but team. He, but he, I mean, like you knew about the Moreno trade. He wasn't. <laughs> okay, here. Was he was he more or less surprised mm-hmm. by the Gabriel Moreno trade than he was to see Jose Barrios walking yeah. in the game? Well, right? and, uh, yeah, that was another part of the the conversation yesterday. He was asked about his level of surprise because Ross was uh, flabbergasted. Lord, his his gas was flabbered uh, when <laughs> this guy on my playoff roster is in the game. Yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mark Shapiro did also say that he didn't know when it was going to happen, but yeah, I gave an indication of everybody was of the understanding that that was going to be the strategy employed against the Minnesota Twins in game two. Did, did a better job than, than Ross Atkins did 
on Saturday. Again, the the best solve for all of this is win. the Blue Jays win a hundred games and end the World Series next year. <laughs> it all goes away, man. Can you imagine if they thread the needle perfectly of like doing the Orioles thing of mm. do win a hundred games and win the division? Mm. Then it goes exactly the same way. Well, yeah, that's eh, a different conversation. Boy, is it. All right. This insider is brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit Don Valley North Lexus.com. Uh, our insider today, the great John Morosi of MLB network. Good morning, John. Good morning, my friends. Uh, what, what a great time of year. I know yesterday the, the focus was on a press conference, but we also had the, the, the NLCS is now set. Mm-hmm. Jack Hughes put on a show last night. Uh, <laughs> so we've got, it's a great time of year all the way around. Yeah, uh, tough yeah, one to for sneak your, it in. Good job, wings. good job by you, Morosi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a, a fun Devils team, and yeah, uh, not a surprise we're we're talking uh, hockey with John Morosi. But let's let's before we maybe get further down the the NHL rabbit hole, let's yes, let's, let's go back to <laughs> to yesterday and uh, Mark Shapiro's press conference. Who you know, I, I think in an alternate reality where we don't have the Saturday Ross Atkins press conference is mostly about the renovations and and maybe more business-related questions towards Mark Shapiro. I don't know if it's as much about the baseball operations, um, but he had to he had to change the narrative after Saturday. Did he? Did, was he successful in his attempts to do so, John? Yes, he was. I, I think it was a. It was a strong performance. I think it was very credible in the way that he laid things out. He offered uh, some more detail and, and I think was, was humble in, in a lot of moments about the process they've got in place. Uh, and, and I think in general it, it set the offseason on a, on a more normal trajectory, if you will, in terms of what, what comes next, the decisions that they make. I, I do think it, it – did a good job of conveying from the top of the organization that they realized that the way that the season ended, not just in the fact that the Jays lost, but the, the Barrios decision, the, the overall lack of coherence, I think, in terms of the, 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 the performance that we saw against the Minnesota Twins, just not really being able to be all that competitive, to be honest, at, at the end of the day uh, in that playoff series. So he, Mark Shapiro conveyed that he understood it, and and it, it does appear that there's going to be some additional steps and accountability w- within the process. I think it's I think one of the most important things that that was conveyed and, and talked, and it, it came through through Shai Davidi's column yesterday at Sportsnet.ca, just about the fact that there is a member of the front office in the game planning room with John Snyder and his staff. So whether it is explicit or implicit. There is clearly information being conveyed through that individual, and and obviously it has the the imprimatur of the of the front office when he says it. So so that that to me is a is a really important distinction here, and I, I would assume that it's something that we will will perhaps see change as time moves on, or at least the manner in which that information is shared. But that to me is a really important detail that maybe explains why a decision was made that a lot of people in the Jays organization in uniform, obviously based on the players' comments, were not aligned with in the biggest game of the year. And, and that simply, guys, is, a, is an organizational failure and cannot happen in the future. 
Yeah, and I think that I think that that just leads itself to so much of the conversation that's been around this organization the past couple of days. And you mentioned it there, the idea of there being a front office employee, a non-uniform staff that is in those meetings. And, you know, we can all read between the lines there, right? That if my if an, if somebody who's there is a proxy for my boss is there, you know, I'm kind of treating it as though my boss is in the room because what are they going right. to do? They're going to go back and report. And that is where I think there's been the frustration of, you know, Ross Atkins saying, no, I didn't, I didn't tell him to do anything. And I bet you he didn't. And John Schneider saying, oh, no, no one told me explicitly to. And I think that's just the, this is just the, the, the why there's been so much talk about, about communication. You know, after the aftermath of the press conference, there were a lot of people and they were doing this in the aftermath of the series, not just the press conference of saying there did need to be a change. And if it wasn't Shapiro still a new GM, how much do you think of, of the hesitancy and the, the lack of will to move on from Atkins as the GM is that this is such a big kind of fork in the road season for the Jays or off season, I should say. I mean, I know you and Ben have had the conversation a million times about you either pay him or you move him in terms of Laddie, in terms of Bo, it's a very big offseason. How much do you think the hesitancy to, to have a new direction or to have a new general manager is the fact that it is such a, a big question period for, for the Blue Jays this offseason? I think that's a piece of it. I also just think that there is such a, a longstanding relationship and commitment between Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins. It goes back to Mark being Ross's mentor in Cleveland, decades ago this is a a long-standing connection and, and obviously presidents of organizations have to make difficult decisions about employees whom they like and have mentored over time and that's why those jobs are so difficult but clearly mark shapiro with this decision was conveying that he believes that ross atkins is the best person to lead this organization forward and that that is, I, I think, on some level, up for discussion. Uh, we, we can debate whether that is uh, the, the correct assessment or not. Uh, and and I, I did think it was interesting when, when Mark described Ross's track record as being undeniable, mm. and, and it was undeniable because they've got the sixth best record in the American League over the last several years. Mm-hmm. I, I, again, <laughs> I don't know if that's, if that's the standard. If, if you've got one of the top two records in the American League during a certain interval of time, I would say that's undeniable. If that's the Astros, uh, for what they've done, they're undeniable. Uh, the, the Dodgers' playoff streak is undeniable. The Jays, without a playoff win in the last six or seven years, that's not undeniable for me. That is, in fact, quite deniable <laughs> in terms of its in terms of the overall performance. And, and that's that, I think, is where... I have a little bit of a critique about just the the general expectation. If if your if your payroll is third from the bottom in the major leagues and you're still having the the sixth best record during a period of time and making the playoffs uh, on a relatively consistent basis over a period of time, okay, I'll grant you that that's undeniable. This is a team. This is a big market team. This is a large payroll team that goes out and signs people like Springer and Gossman and Bassett and, and has got someone who's been a former MVP candidate in Vladdy. There, there is way too much talent 
to be considering the sixth best record to be to be good. <laughs> it's just it's it's okay. It's fine. It's it's adequate, I suppose. It is not undeniable, and and I think that's where that's where we have to I, I think be real here about what the expectations are, what they have been, and to be honest, how much they've fallen short because the 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 fear, and I know. Jays fans feel it. They don't need me to remind them of this. The fear is that the best part of the window is in the past. And that that is frightening, mm. I think, for the Blue Jays uh, and frightening for their fans. And it's and, and that, to me, is where I, I would actually argue if, if you have not effectively capitalized on what is manifestly a great window to win, I, I, I don't know if you could say that it's undeniable that you've got – the best person at the controls. It's it's he may be. I, I don't know. There's there's a universe of people and, and Mark knows it all better than I do, but I would I would not have used the word undeniable in that in that context. No, it's undeniable that the Blue Jays underperformed this season. Like it's undeniable that eighty nine wins was below expectations. It's undeniable that the offensive performance they got from a number of different players and in an overall sense was was not what they would have hoped for, not what they expected, um, not what they hoped uh, to, to replicate in, in 2024. And, and Mark Shapiro yesterday talked about analyzing why that happened and whether that's a, a, a philosophy thing or whether that's an individual player's thing or whatever it is, trying to figure it out. He also, he, we, we talked about the, the communication style and, and things that are, are less quantifiable on the field as maybe something that this team needs to, to revisit. Is it possible... John, that, that, that those are related, that, that maybe the players feeling uncomfortable with the way information is disseminated and, and the relationship they have with the manager and the manager's relationship with the front office is actually manifesting itself on the field of play. It's, it's maybe not directly why Vladimir Guerrero Jr. regressed offensively, but like that, that there is a, a, a percentage chance that that's impacting the Blue Jays' underperformance this season. Yes. There is, and I think that one of the the biggest tells that we saw during the course of the last several weeks was the was the rapidity with which players commented on the game planning right after game two was over. It was not as though they they were surprised necessarily that that had happened or that they were in general respectful of the chain of command. They were openly questioning it on the record. And that's that stood out to me as being relatively unique and relatively uh I think a pretty strong indictment I would say of 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 the process. Now, the the, the process can change with the same people. That's that is possible. And and that is obviously what the Jays have chosen. Now, the, now will they make some adjustments to the coaching staff? We'll see. But obviously we know the GM is back and the manager's back. So the process had better change. Perhaps some of the personnel along the chain of command will change, but the manner in which the players are communicated with will need to change. And and that is that is a leadership uh, attribute that I think has to become more uh, I think more thorough in, in the communication. And, and I, I will will say I don't believe when you look at the the track record and how long. 
John Schneider has known Bo and Vlad and others. That relationship to me appears to be quite solid, and and the way in which John communicates with them on an interpersonal level, I I think it has to do more with with game planning and and the way in which players are expected to perform. That that to me is is a massive question, and, and one that I think the Jays have to address. And the other point I would make. And this is where organizational decision-making is really hard. And I, I certainly can't pretend to tell Mark Shapiro or anybody else how to do their job. But you, you've got someone in your front office in James Click who just won the World Series last year. And if, and if let's just say for the sake of argument that another team hires him away and, and you lose someone who proved that he could win a, a World Series 12 months ago and, and you, you didn't promote him here, is that a, is that a miss? And these these are things that only Mark Shapiro can know. But I I think that there there are some legitimate questions about if necessarily the Jays have used their personnel even internally to the best of of its potential. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly a question that's been bandied about here. Uh, James Click has been a name that's uh, been gaining steam in the back half of the season, I think is a pretty fair way to put it. And honestly, John, I hadn't thought about this aspect of it, but I do wonder if there's some element, and look, everyone evolves, right? Bo Bichette is not the same guy now as he was when he was winning a title with, with Schneider in New Hampshire. Neither is Vladdy, neither is John Schneider. But I do wonder if they look at him and go, huh, it was a little different when you were the double A manager and you were just kind of managing the team and not to say that front office people wouldn't have some input in that, but obviously it's way less different than a playoff game at the major league level. I do wonder if they maybe see a different version of, of that guy from the time. And again, you want to talk about things that are unknown. That is, that is right up there with it. Do you think that this will hurt the Blue Jays from a perception perspective? I mean, Kiermaier, Merrifield, these are pretty respected guys uh, among the league. Who knows what Matt Chapman has to say in meetings he's going to take as a free agent, I would imagine. Do you think that it will affect the Jays' ability to do business? I mean, I understand. If the check gets big enough, it won't affect them, but how much do you think this hampers or, or, or harnesses their ability to be active this winter? I, I think it certainly will affect it. To your point, ultimately, money talks in the end, and, and the Jays, because of taxation differences often, they will have to offer more. That's that's a reality of 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 doing business. I think they, they clearly had to go above and beyond to bring in Springer. We mentioned Gossman, Bassett. They've, they've made some moves. They've, they've really, I think, been more aggressive in free agency, certainly than they were under Alex Anthopoulos. There, there's no question about that. How They even at one point in time had pursued Freddie Freeman at least a little bit. Uh, so that they've, they've shown that they're willing to, to make that, that push. And I've, I've been impressed by that really, but I think ultimately to your point, players talk and players know how players are treated in certain places. And, and we do know that the, the spring training facility is best in class. The ballpark renovations have been wonderful. There's a lot of really good things in terms of behind the scenes in, in Toronto and in Dunedin that I think will bring players in. It's, it's obviously an extraordinary place to play, but you're right. When you are a team that has a a noted and enduring and permanent tax-related uh, disadvantage that you can never 
you're never going to be able to fix that. <laughs> there's, there's a, there, is, there is no state income tax in Washington State. There's no state income tax in, in Florida and Texas. These are things that, that free agents are going to be able to say, wait a minute, I, I have this amazing benefit if I play for the Rangers or the Astros or the, or the Rays or the Marlins or the Mariners. I mean, there's, it's there. It's, it, that's a reality. You're going to have to basically get everything else right and everything else to the perfect detail to make sure that you get those free agents. And, and to your point, the way this offseason has began is not exactly going to help in that, in that area. And the other thing, too, I, I want to point out quickly, in terms of just the, the expectations, you know, High and Bloom two years ago got his team to the uh, ALCS within two wins of the World Series, mm. and he just lost his job a couple weeks ago. Mm. And you know, we can argue that they're different teams, different markets, but, but he at least got to the ALCS and less than two years later, he was out of a job because that's where the expectations are in Boston. I think that the Jays have to be honest with themselves about what their expectations are, where, what kind of market they are now and aspire to be, and what that says to the industry. I think those are all very important internal questions for them to think about. Oh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting offseason here. Uh, the offseason has commenced in Atlanta. As, uh, that, oh, that great series is over. Man, I enjoyed the heck out of the, the four games played between the Phillies and Braves. Um, you're a big J journalist, John. Got to ask you that. An actual one. I yeah. know. I know. That's, that's why I'm going to ask you the question about the, the, the anecdote relayed from that Braves clubhouse about Orlando Arcia after game two saying, way to go, Bryce, or whatever he said, you know, something like pretty innocuous that was apparently enough to, 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 to force Bryce Harper into a two homer game and, and then the glares towards Arcia and then the, the, the public comments that have come from many a major leaguer and some tweets that came from a Toronto Blue Jays pitcher and Kevin Gossman. Where do you land on the subject? Well, a couple things, and, and this is this is a very interesting topic. Uh, it really is. Um, I, I would say this: number one, uh, it's from a from an ethical perspective, journalistically, you're in there. You're a journalist. You've got a credential on. You're in a you're in the clubhouse during an open access period. What you see and hear can be reported. It, it is permissible to be reported. Period. Ethically, that is. The, the, from a standpoint of what Jake Mintz reported, he can do that. That is completely okay. Uh, I think every individual journalist has to make their own decision about what kind of story they wish to write, how they wish to present it, uh, if, if they believe that, that it was meant to be heard, so to speak, or, or meant to be included in, in one's story or report. Um, I, I I was not in the room, so it's it would be difficult for me to to say would I have gone with it, written it, tweeted it, uh, or not. Uh, I I do think as time has gone on, I I tend to in my own reporting. And granted, I work for Major League Baseball Network, and and so that's that's part of maybe how I view things in in this in this time. I, I do tend to give players the benefit of the doubt in my own in my own discretion but the point is as a journalist it's your choice to make and so jake made his choice and wrote it he was well within his boundaries to do it uh and i think other reporters can all make their own determination as to what and how they want to share the information the larger topic and whether or not whether or not this was quote unquote worth it or or something that was 
actually a manifestly important piece of information uh, that is vital, you know, vital journalistically. Obviously, it's it, this is in the in the grand scope of the world quite trivial, I would say, at the moment. But yeah. I, I think we, we do have to realize, as uh, you know, as journalists and, and the way that that credentialing works, the players do have a voice on whether or not we are in their clubhouse and whether or not this was, uh, and again, Jake Mintz was ethically on solid ground for what he did. Does this, does this incident come back in a couple years where players say, you know what, remember that time back in the 2023 playoffs where something got out that we didn't want it to get out and it affected, they believe, and I find that to be a little dubious, as if, as if Bryce Harper was swinging any harder yeah. in the NLDS because of something that was said by Orlando RCN reported by Jake Mintz the night before. I highly doubt that. I, I really doubt that it actually impacted the game in terms of how, how much Bryce Harper wanted to win. Okay, let, let's let's say it's a little parenthetical there. But I, I do think that will players potentially, depending on who's on the committee when they're negotiating the next CBA uh, and talking about access that we get, could that, could that be affected? I suppose it's possible. And that, that's kind of where my, that's where my thoughts go, to be honest. And, and I've had, it's interesting, I, I, I came up as a writer, now I do more TV and radio, and and so there there I've had I've had different coaching and different instruction at different times in my career, and and one of the things I often hear in in TV broadcasting, uh, one of my producers at Fox said this to me years ago about when when you make a decision to go on the air with something, does it need to be said? Does it need to be said by me? And does it need to be said right now? Mm. Those are things that you ask yourself. Is it and you, and you sort of have that moment of pause. Is this is this really worth it? Maybe it was. It was a it was a heck of a story. So uh, maybe it was worth it. But that's not for me to decide. I I, I have my own standards of what I how I do things. Uh, and Jake has his, and every journalist has theirs. And I respect that. But ethically, solid ground, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, would everybody have made the same decision? Obviously, there were a lot of reporters in the room, and not everybody made that decision. Yeah, some some name calling for sure <laughs> towards Mister. Mince. And yeah, I, you're right. Maybe this is going to come up for the players when the next uh, CBA is being signed. But like the players never want the media in there, right? Like the, the pandemic was horrible, every part of it. But for the players, they were ecstatic not to have to deal with the media day to day in their clubhouse, John. Like that, that feels like that's been a thing for as long as media has been allowed in clubhouses that players don't want the media in there. Right. Well, and, and, let's, and let's take a step back here, too. Let's remember, let's remember this. And, and and how and what we've been talking about this whole this whole conversation, there are two things here that we that were essential that the, where clubhouse access was essential in us getting the information. One was Arcia saying that about Harper, which was again again like the trivial of the trivial. It was it was it was it's fun to talk about and, and to sort of laugh about, but it, it is the essence of of triviality. Okay, that's what that was, but. The, the Jays, the reaction of the Blue Jays players to the decision about Barrios was incredibly newsworthy yep. and incredibly revealing and quite important. And I can tell you this, and, and I've covered different sports at different times. I've covered sports during the pandemic and after. If, if this was, let's say, an, an NHL playoff series and you had two players at a podium and, and they were facing a room of reporters – you would not have gotten the same answers or the same insight Very in true. that moment, period. And so what I'm saying is 
the in the in the last ten days, I care way more about hearing from the Blue Jays individually going around the room and saying, oh, there's a theme here. This hints at some organizational issues. This is this is a substantial story that we're still talking about two weeks later, as opposed to one comment from one player about Bryce Harper on the basis. I mean, let's – so, and again, my, my one of my uh, mentors in this business, John Lowe, who's now in the Hall of Fame, would say to me sometimes, John, let's not make news out of trivia – and mm. trivia out of news. Ooh. And it's so wise. And I think that a lot of these things we're talking about fit that description. You ain't wrong, John. Uh, always enjoy our chats. Thanks for this, buddy. Thank you. Maybe I, you know, I, I need to actually go to, you know, I, I never went to journalism school. So maybe I, maybe oh. I should, uh, maybe I should, maybe I should go back. Maybe I'll be a professor <laughs> one day. I don't know. Yeah, Hopefully. I did go to journalism school, but I didn't go to Harvard. So I think, I think you got me there, John. Together, the two of you are a whole journalist and it's all John, actually. So there you go. See you, John. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much. Uh, it's John Morosi, MLB Network. This Insider was brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit Don Valley NorthLexus.com. I could talk about this for six hours. I don't know how much other people care, but it is so interesting to me. And yeah. hey, like baseball's different than all the other sports, right? Like hockey dressing rooms are very different and they bring guys out now. But a baseball clubhouse, you the reporters can be in there so long because there's before yes. to access time as well. Yes. They're in there a lot. So I do, I will, not that I want to give too much credence to the player's side of this because I think they're kind of crying about nothing here, but... That is the one sport where they have to deal with it more than anybody else. With NFL, guys are popping in after a game. With hockey, it's the same way. Basketball, it's the same way. They're people just having conversations with these guys in the clubhouse all yep. day long. Yeah. Um, but and if they're aware of it. But if you're if you're a player and you don't want to have that conversation, don't hang out you there. Just, well, yeah, there's places to hide. For sure. Like, I can tell you, as somebody who's been in the position of trying to get <laughs> yes. post-game oh, sound yes. from a baseball player... They can hide. You can go in there, and oh, there's yeah. nobody there, despite the fact that they haven't gone home yet. Like, there's the clubhouse is big. Yep. <laughs> and there's lots of places you can go where the media is not. Did you did you see the Phillies in the locker room last night? Uh, somebody, I can't tell who, wearing an Attaboy Harper shirt right. in the wonderful blue, yeah. baby blue and maroon or whatever they got going on there. And they were chanting, I'll, uh, I'll clean it up a, a little bit here. Bleep the Bravos, and whoever the bleep we play next, and always... Bleep the Mets. I was getting chanted in the uh, Phillies <laughs> Wait, clubhouse. by the Phillies by, players? I'm seeing it, a tweet from Jared Carabas. So we're uh, in the mood of giving press here. Uh, so, yes, I'm seeing that now. Uh, well, a guy in overalls is throwing beer all over. The, it looks like a scene in there. God, the Phillies. Every few years, we get one of these. Yeah. The Blackhawks were this team in hockey, like the Taves-Kane era, where it's just like, that, da 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 just looks so fun. Their home mm. games looked amazing. The team was, uh, now that we know afterwards, maybe not as likable. But in the moment. Very fun, and this Phillies team feels like that. They are fun, and I guess they they feel easily slighted because I love it. Attaboy, Harper, right? Like I don't think that's on. them being slighted though. I think that's just like we beat these guys. I want to rub something in their face, so I love it. Yeah. All right. When we come back, uh, Maple Leafs getting set to play game two of eighty-two tomorrow night at home against the Minnesota Wild. That game will be on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, called by our next guest, Joe Bowen. Radio Voice of the Leafs joins us as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Marner, centering pass, to deep, Matthew scores! Holy Mackinac, what a shot! Austin Matthews ties the game at two! Down into the corner it goes, Tavares working on the wing with Matthews, who scores! This one has a real odor to it, the Leafs with six attackers, and Austin Matthews scores from behind the goal line. Marner trying to sift it along, stolen by the Canadians, but not out. Nylander, down low, shot scores! Austin Matthews! Holy Mackinac! Three goals, he's tied the game! Fan morning show, Sportsnet 5.9, the fan, Ben has Brent Gunning. Big deal, he scored four in a season opener before, first game he ever played in the NHL. But Austin Matthews on pace for 246 goals this season. That would be a record. As uh, the Maple Leafs do pick up the the two points against the Montreal Canadiens, but it was in a shootout, so they're third in the Atlantic, Brent. Okay. <laughs> okay. If the season ended today, <laughs> they'd be locked into a first-round matchup against the Bruins, and they wouldn't have home, home ice advantage. No! <laughs> Honestly, I got to say, give it to me right now. I'll take it. Give it to me right now. All right. Let's talk to uh, the man who was on uh, the call of those three goals, Joe Bowen, radio voice of the Maple Leafs, getting set for Wild Leafs tomorrow night at home. How's it going, Joe? Good, guys. I noticed you had uh, the poster boy for Valium uh, on your show there just a few seconds ago doing all those goals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> guys, excited. Uh, what an exciting game, though, right? Let, let's ban uh, coaches, right? Let's let's have every game be 6-5 in a shootout. Well, maybe not a shootout. Extend overtime by another five minutes and, and have them end 6-5 in overtime. I'd, be, I'd sign up for that. Well, uh, and then turn a switch on at the end of the year and play some defense so you can win in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, that probably would work. I'm not sure that there's a switch like that somewhere, but um, yeah, it, it's exciting and it's great for the fans and it's great for the broadcasters. I'm not so sure it's the best way to play hockey, but uh, you know what? If you're going to get into one of those things, you might as well win the damn thing. And, uh, you know, they've got the offensive uh, prowess to be able to do that and play any way you want so we're gonna have to see them play better defense and get better goaltending and um and be better when the the games count uh, obviously in the spring yeah great talking to you again bonesy always enjoyed uh see, seeing you down at the rink and yeah they've been trying to find that switch in the back half of the season for what three four years now they were they were able to find it and get past tampa but yeah it is all about kind of building and building uh to the team you want to be in the postseason you've uh you've had your chances to call some exciting leaf games but from a again not from a coach's perspective not from a is it going to work in the playoffs perspective but just from a start the season off on a great note i mean you get a matthews hat trick he seals it in the last minute you get a revo fight uh, it really did feel like is again, not from a coach's perspective, but from fans as good a start to the season as you could have asked for. Oh yeah. I mean, absolutely. I, I, I wish the fans had been, uh, had arrived for the opening so that they could have gotten off their rear ends and maybe got a little more energy in the building. <laughs> start. But uh, it's a frustrating thing. And I know that the game ops people are sitting there going, Oh God, what do we, what do we have to do? And the Toronto audience historically has always been, reactive and not proactive and a lot of other obviously crowds and various other venues or sports or whatever are very proactive they try to energize the team where in toronto it's show us something and we'll get excited well they were pretty damn excited by the end of the game uh and and the two goals uh, with the goalie out and everything else are on their feet and hollering you just wish that there was a little more proactive at times but you know what it was it was a great start uh i think everybody uh, is excited about this team 
Um, they're growing. They're maturing. Uh, they have uh, obviously a great deal of offensive flair. I think um, looking at this team on paper anyway and, and at the start that they are built more like a playoff team to start the season. So they'll be able to maybe play that way throughout the course of the regular season instead of having it infused <clears throat> excuse me, in them at the trade deadline the way it was a year ago. So we'll wait and see. Now, that was not a playoff-type game, so we're going to have to have, have me uh, at least stand corrected for the open night. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned, you mentioned the idea of the crowd being reactive instead of proactive, and I think the fact that this team has a lot more snarl. I mean, everyone's going to go to Reeves, rightfully so, but Bertuzzi has that. Domi has some of that. I mean, man, you saw Matthews jump in a, a scrum last night. I do wonder if the team just being a group that is more, you know, it felt like being down there last year, there were times where, again, you're waiting for the big Matthews goal, and then the building has some life to it. I do just wonder if this is a team that kind of finds more life in scrums and things like that if maybe that's the answer to your question there of getting everybody more uh proactive than reactive yeah absolutely i mean you know what you don't have to go in and punch somebody in the yap but you've got to have you know you've got to be in the scrum you've got to be there and you know and then you see mark giordano come in off the top (laughs) rope there at one point so i that that's team toughness and 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 that's something that i think that you have to have Throughout and certainly in the postseason, almost every whistle there's a there's a shove or a cheap shot or there's a uh, you know a stick or something that has to be addressed and uh, that's something that you know you build throughout the course of the year and the addition of the people that you mentioned and I think we had Jake McCabe in there as well are going to be the guys that are going to be first and foremost in the scrum so yeah that that's something that has to happen and that's something that I think that they will incorporate into their game going forward this year. Uh, Austin Matthews has to score a bunch of goals this season. He did last year. He scored 40, didn't have a hat trick all season long ago, and has one in his first game this season uh, after putting up 60 and 21-22. Not that a guy like him needs motivation, but do you think he did look like he came out of of the shoot as a a man on a mission, maybe trying to to, to remind everybody that he is more the 60-goal guy than the 40-goal guy? Well, I mean, he's a tremendous talent. Um, and, and, you know, whether there was issues last year injury-wise, uh, maybe his shot wasn't quite as good, um, and he didn't have the, the, the puck luck around the net that maybe he did the, the previous year when he did score 60. But he's going to be between 40 and 60 throughout his career. And if he really has a really good year, he'll be right up there in the 60-goal plateau. And you know what? He's a driven individual. Um, uh, he understands uh, his importance to this team. He obviously enjoys playing here. He is re-upped and is going to be here for at least another five years. So I think that that's the, the, the exciting part about this. Uh, he wants to score. He knows he has to score. I wish he was a little more selfish at times. There was a two-on-one there uh, mm-hmm. during the game, and I thought, nah, yeah, no, shoot the damn thing. <laughs> You're the goal scorer. Shoot the damn thing. Um, and, and, you you know, Ovechkin is, has that, that selfishness to him, and that's why he does score because he shoots so often. But the other thing that is exciting is that we're going to see Austin Matthews in different situations. I love the idea of him killing penalties. And there was a situation in the game the other night where he and Marner started out 
and the defenseman iced the puck, and you could see them looking back at and say, hey, 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 remember who's out here with you killing penalties because I think he's going to score some shorthanded goals this year, and that's going to augment that total because it's a totally different time on the ice for him. Yeah, if we can uh, if we can get back to that that power kill of uh, Mikheyev and Hyman from from the bubble, uh, it would certainly be be a sight uh, to behold. And then with Matthews, also, it's just kind of an age thing, right? Like he's twenty six; he's in the absolute peak of his prime right now. And yeah, I, I think we all expect him to have a big year. I mean, again, his down year was a big year last year, so the floor is pretty pretty high for him. Uh, I wonder about the muscle memory that's going to kick in for you, Joe. Now, I think the plays will be called a little differently, uh, but the name won't be. Well, what's it like having Domi back on the team, albeit uh, his son instead of Ty. I can only imagine what it's like for you. I mean, Lord knows how many times you screamed it one way or, or another. Uh, Got to be pretty cool for for you and obviously for him to have Max Domi in Toronto. Yeah, when I uh, went down to uh, the media uh, day that they had when they were doing all of the shooting of the videos and whatnot, and I, I said to him, I said, Max, last time I spoke to you face to face, I think you were this high. And he laughed, and uh, we had a we had a nice conversation, and and everything. And and I already called him Ty once. So <laughs> Ralphie looked at me and said, "You know that's Max." I said, oh, I didn't. Get that. Yes, you did. I said, oh, okay, okay. So I'm sure I'm going to screw it up a number of times this year. Uh, and the first time that he decides to drop the gloves, I'm probably going to have Ty in there doing it. But uh, who knows? But you know what? It, it is an interesting thing, and I know he's excited as hell to be here. Uh, he's a different player. Um, he'll score, but he'll also, you know, stick his nose in and, and be physical. Um, he's not uh, going to have 2,000 fights like his dad did, but um, he's going to be a presence. And I think that that's uh, exciting to, to, to look forward to this season, and I know he's excited as hell. So it, it'll be fun to see. Uh, Monday will be fun to see as well. Connor Bedard. Hey, listen, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We got a game uh, tomorrow against the Minnesota Wild, but it's Connor Bedard season, uh, and that's on on Monday as he goes through some of the biggest hockey markets in in the NHL, culminating with uh, his first trip to Toronto on Monday. What, what are you expecting for that, Joe? That 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 feels like it's going to be a scene. Yeah, it, it will be interesting. The young man has certainly arrived with a great fanfare. Um, he's a tremendous talent. Uh, he only got one assist in his first game. <laughs> I mean, our guy had four goals. I'm <laughs> so I don't know what all the hype's about, you know. But anyway, we'll we'll welcome him with open arms. No, he's uh, you know he's obviously great talent. I love his attitude. Uh, I, I think the, the quote in one of the exhibition games: "I'm going to have to play better if I'm going to make this team." And I thought <laughs> he doesn't read the newspapers or go online very often. I guess so. Uh, but I, you know what? That's 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 a great attitude to have, and uh, uh, obviously um, uh, brought up uh, right by his parents and everything else. He's a tremendous talent, but it looks like he is a tremendous character too. So uh, uh, it'll be interesting. And the Blackhawks are in the throes of a rebuild, and it's going to take them a while, but they've got the cornerstone. Yeah, they they certainly do. A couple of points, including a goal in his first two games. But yeah, you're right. He only had one assist in his first game. Yeah, come on, come pick on. it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's yeah. tr- trending our, in an our, upward our direction. Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. O- opening day is is made for Austin Matthews. Uh, Joe, uh, we'll be listening tomorrow night. Thanks. Thanks, you Thanks, guys. Enjoy your weekend. All right, you too. There's Joe Bowen, radio voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs, on the call with Jim Ralph for tomorrow's Wild Leafs game 
at Scotiabank Arena. That's the Minnesota Wild, not just like another Wild Leaf game like we saw on Wednesday, which was wild. Oh, that's clever. I didn't even, I was wondering what, where are we, where you're going with that. But yeah, it was a wild game. Uh, the Bowen thing, I mean, him having him already calling him Ty is hilarious to me. I didn't hear his call of the Revo fight, but I am dying for the for the next time Montreal and uh, Toronto play because you yeah. know Wi-Fi and Revo are going to have much more of a true kind of square off. Yes. And look. That was disappointing to, to no, not get a real fight out of that thing. For sure. Clear the net out next time. Honestly. Like, go full Thornton and Ben. I know you're not even allowed to. Take your helmets <laughs> off. Square off at center ice. But... Joe Bowen is so good at calling goals. Like he's mm-hmm. really, really good at it. He's also great when he's incredulous. If he doesn't mm-hmm. like call big saves when the building's going nuts for the tendy. Yeah. That's what we think of. This man was born to call fights. That's he right. literally called fights before he was yeah. a hockey announcer. I. It's been a long time since the Leafs have had a true pugilist. He was amazing calling those Orr and McLaren teams. Obviously, we know about his work calling fights with Domi. Mm. This is a match made in heaven. We talk all the time. This is like this could be like Cassell Ali stuff of like the perfect match of finally getting a true heavyweight <laughs> back in town for Bonesy to call some fights. I cannot wait for the first real one. Yeah, they, there needs to be more Arbor Jack eyes yes, though, around do. around the league though, because like that's it, yeah, it's not. Always going to be the case that he's going to face a team no. where, where somebody can can sit toe-to-toe against Ryan Reeves. But that's a great point you raise about the monotony of the 82-game regular season, but like the, the, the lack of energy that occasionally filters through yeah. the building at Scotiabank Arena when I think everybody understands the the stakes of the regular season, yep. which are not nearly as important as the, the stakes in April and May. But yeah, maybe having... The threat of Ryan Reeves doing that, mm-hmm. the the threat of Tyler Bertuzzi, Max Domi mixing it up. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to make people proactive, but like once they see that, then they'll 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 be in on the action. It's a it's a great Jeff Merrick line that you don't you don't need the fight, but you do need the threat of a fight. Mm-hmm. The threat of violence is a is a great great thing, and I I have got my back up about this a lot because like. I'm not going to sit here and defend the opening ceremonies. That looked dreadful. It looked like people were bored, scrolling on their phones. I don't know. And that's not game ops fault. I don't know what you can do to poke and prod the people yeah. that are in the building. For well, I mean, who, who's not getting excited to see Matt Murray? Just, Come on. Just get more. Please, please just get more excited. I beg of the people in the building. But the idea that it's like, okay, we're just going to stand here and scream like lunatics because nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. It is a little odd. So now that you have a team that has guys that are going to be, you don't need to wait for the big goal or the big hit. There's just going to be a scrum every couple of whistles. Revo's going to be looking at a guy or going up and jawing at him. And that's where the murmurs start throughout the crowd. And it just gets people more engaged. I do think there's maybe something to that. Yeah. I mean, for, for Ryan Reeves, it's you, you got, you, you got what, like 10 shifts a game. So yeah. like you, <laughs> well, it's just, I, you know, I remember totally different scenario but I remember the Kawhi Raptors season mm-hmm. I was there and Kawhi got subbed out and it was just like an odd substitution and the murmurs through the now this is a nightmare scenario as opposed to a happy thing but the murmurs of oh my god what's happening with Kawhi people stopped watching the game they were just mm-hmm. watching Kawhi on the bench and I feel like you might get some of that with Reeves so like mm, Reeves is jumping out and that guy just had a bit of a shot watch him just there will be Reeves shifts you'll be yapping on the bench they're going to show him on the jumbotron like it is going he is going to be a guy that injects I don't want to overstate it but some life into that building for sure for sure and he's going to at least make the the post game media availability is more interesting if he factors in like he needs to be if he needs to do yes. something newsworthy to mm-hmm. some degree that yeah. that that somebody maybe has he the should impetus. maybe he should say attaboy cole caulfield and then 
<laughs> yeah, he's a guy that's doing the opposite yes. of, of what the Braves want. Like, he's like, yeah, give Please. me all the microphones. Yes. I mean, partly because um, that's his job on this team. Totally. And partly because despite the fact that he has a three-year contract that pays him over a million bucks mm-hmm. uh, with this Leafs team, he also has aspirations like Max Domi and, and probably Tyler Bertuzzi yep. do of making money outside of the rink. Yep. As being a lauded and uh, well-remembered Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of that is fighting people. Part of that is being a good quote. Oh, my God. The credit he will get. And I'm not saying it's undeserved. It hasn't happened yet. But if this Leafs team is a tougher version and it's Matthews jumping into scrums, that is the truly the great, uh, uh, sorry, performance coach. What's his name? Harden or something that like the Navy SEAL Greg guy. Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy, the guy they brought in. Uh, not the NFL one. I no. do not want that guy mad no, at me but for sure. The, okay. His name is Greg Hardy. Okay. That, it's like that guy should be on the hot seat if Ryan Reeves just comes in and goes, <clears throat> and all of a sudden everyone's tougher and everyone's stronger. The folklore, shout out Taylor Swift, that will be written uh. about about Revo. If this team looks different all year long, I can't wait for it. Well, to be fair, um, I'm thinking Ryan Reeves is making more than Greg Hardy is making. Right? Yeah, like, I, I would think. That, that, I would think. That's quite a lot to pay a guy. I know. I just remember it was a whole thing of like, eh, he's tough, the mental coach. And then same thing happens. So. Yeah. No, apparently he's been great. Uh, he's worked with Tom hey. Brady and yeah, great. a bunch of, you know, Michael Phelps and yeah. The, 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 the best guys, eh? Yeah. All yeah. the best ones. <laughs> so if I was a coach too, I'd try to get in as many of those guys' circles as I could. Yeah. Look at who I've worked with. Yeah. Was it me? Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. If it wasn't Bill Belichick with Tom Brady, how much credit do you think you're getting for, for Tom Brady winning seven Zilch. Super Bowls at a zero? All right. Uh, that was fun. Yeah, that was. What a great week. Seems short. Oh, yeah. It was only four days. Yeah, that's why. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll have a five-day week, a normal one next week. Uh, and some Maple Leafs hockey to talk about again. Um, we'll see you then. It's been the Fan Morning Show. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Good Good morning. morning.